I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. Wait a second. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. This episode of podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is an amazing service, and I use it all the time. If I'm not listening to podcasts, I'm listening to Audible. And so if you use our code, audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity, you're going to get a one-month free trial, which is, includes a free book. And if you don't like your book, you can just exchange it for any other book you want. It's roughly a $15 credit or value. It's... Really, you don't lose anything if you just try it out for one month because you can cancel it any time. And if you want, here are some suggestions that I've read and I love these books. So the first one is The Talent Code by Dan Coyle. I come back to this book all the time and I've just been telling more and more people about it. And it really just stands the test of time about, you know, the, the neurology and neuroscience of learning new skills. Second book is Tools of Titans. And if you guys are already aware because you listen to podcasts, Tim Ferriss is amazing and it's just really tactical, and you learn a whole bunch about it, and there's just so much information packed in so many different fields. Totally check it out. And the last one is Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And this one is just made to be an audiobook because it was transcripted from actual interviews back in the 80s when it was first written. So it's amazing. It just really feels natural to be in an audio format, even from a different uh, person reading it. So with that, everyone, head over to audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity to start your free trial today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always, and in today's episode, we've got two guests. We have Joe Jakowski, my good friend who's been on the podcast many times before, so you guys all know who he is, and we actually have my brother, Nick Wenzel, who's on really for the first time, because he hasn't really said too much before, but in this one, we kind of just catch up. Joe was home for the weekend, and he was just here, and we had a beer with the bros, so to speak, and so, yeah, we just talk about stories, things going on in school, anything like that, and it was just a fun, casual conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it, because you guys get to be a fly on the wall with, you know, how we act with each other, um, just on a day-to-day basis, basically, and it's always fun to catch up with friends when they haven't been around in a couple months. So with that, everyone, here is Joe Jakowski and Nick Wenzel. We're recording! That was the worst way to start. <laughs> oh, God. I would have preferred laughter. <laughs> I would have preferred dead silence for the next hour and 36 minutes. Is someone going to take the... Wor- <laughs> I can't even talk. So we're going to take the microphone from me now, and like you, you, you've lost your privileges... I mean, I considered it, but now that you've confirmed it, you might as well hand that over. (laughs) Back up. I wish I had a beer right now. Here, I'll hold this. Go Go get get one, homie. As you you have to go in underneath all the cords again. Here, let's unplug the headphones. I'm going to do an intro. We got to call. Yeah. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome 
to a nice, quiet podcast Dear today. God. <laughs> I was like, I was like, as soon as you said that in that voice, I was so worried. I was like, oh no, this is too sensual for one. Mm. It's good to have you guys here with us. We're going to be enjoying a little bit of company, a couple of beers. Today I'm drinking three Floyds. I don't know what that says, that. to be totally honest. Meg, Meg, God damn it. Megatron 99? I don't know. Some, some beer. It's, it's really nice. <laughs> We're also going to be having Nick stepping on my foot. <laughs> Featuring Eric Wenzel. R. Kelly. R. Kelly. <laughs> I'm going to piss on you. Yeah, that's what he's here for. <laughs> Man, this is totally going to be sh- like culture shock to anyone who listens to this episode. <laughs> you should just cut this all out. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This is my pride and joy. This is this is what it's like to have Joe Jakowski in your life. <laughs> well, you know, ladies, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> exactly my point. <laughs> I'm gonna take this recording and I'm gonna put it on like an audio file on a Tinder profile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, all you need to know is right here, ladies. <laughs> all right, so I'm Joe Jakowski. I'm back from Michigan for the weekend. Yes, you had to drive. Four hours last night. Yeah, you got here super late. (laughs) I did. But it's okay, because our homie from back in the day, so... High school military. Yeah, so he was... Because we knew him for for long... How many years before? Because he was in high school with us. All of high school, I think. So pretty much all of high school, and then when I joined the Marine Corps, he joined with me, and it left like a day after, or the day before I left. I think the day before. And we were in the same boot camp uh, company and all that. But he stayed in California when he got out, so he's coming back from California to Chicago to chill today after this podcast. Yep. And it's the first time he's bringing the family. Yeah, dude. I can't believe it. I know. It feels weird to think about, like, friend as a dad now. Like, he's, like, the first, you know. It's so strange (laughs) that people our age are having kids, getting married, yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah, life is happening. You know, we're, we're what? I'm 25. You're 26. I'll be 26 like in next, like no two weeks. Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. Time flies. Fuck. <laughs> I know, because now I think about it, I'm like, dude, I've been in school since like 1920, like five, six years. It's like crazy how long. I'll it's be 27 taking. when I get out of yeah. undergrad. And how long is grad school? Four yeah. years. Another four. We. Damn. So 32 at least. Yeah. By the time you're done. I'm be fucking old. By the time I have an actual job. Yeah. I'm be fucking old. Well, relatively old. Yeah. You know? But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's really that detrimental. I just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be old. Whatever. I'm mean, more mature than my cohort. Right, yeah. Because anyone who's... Because, yeah, like the people who are graduating now is, like, for me, engineers, they're, like, Nick's age. Or, no, younger than Nick. They're yeah. like They're, like, 22, I think. Well, I, I'm even old for where I am. Right. We're all old students. Though though not fitting the typical definition of non-traditional. What's the traditional? The- uh, that ends at, I believe, 26. Oh, we're just... You, so, Joe, you will be. I will You're maybe. You will technically become a non-traditional student. Yo, yo. But, but, uh, that Hold definition will probably get changed because NPR the other day released a study that I'm not going to even try to quote because I'll misquote it, but... Uh, they're finding that the average age of a college student is actually much higher than, like, just graduating oh, high school. Really? Yeah, it's like, again, I don't want to misquote it, but I, I think it was, like, in the late 20s, I don't early 30s. I want to know the median on that study, because the mean <laughs> yeah. could get 
affected by because right, I can be inflated like you have a seven year old that's mm. yeah, going exactly. to school and just fucks the whole thing up yeah that's true. So I'd be curious what they'll like be you hear those stories of like that 90 year old who's just going to college or whatever or for just graduating college after like whatever decades it took him yeah, like the the very the person that already has had a job and a career is retired right. and they yeah. just want to learn which as a side note I'll throw out this one um I may be photographing uh, for a story about a student at Harper who is 95. Whoa. He's the oldest Jesus. student in Harper history, and um, he's, been, cool. he's been taking classes for, you know, many, many years, but does, uh, like, fine arts, like sculptures and stuff. And mm. um, yeah. if you go on campus, there's one in, in a particular building where it's a bust of him, and it's huge, but it looks exactly like him, and it's him. So he's pretty good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a really good artist. Um I think he has multiple sculptures around campus that huh. are to his name that he's created. But uh, yeah, he's he's the oldest student around. Dang. That's pretty cool. Hey Nick, mm-hmm. you should actually tell your story about what you were just talking about before we started recording. Mm. The Culinator. And oh, to, oh, oh, that story. Yeah, because oh, fucking, it, it's funny. It's hold cool. Your horses, folks. You better take a seat, get a glass of water, put like a damn towel on your forehead. You're not damn gonna have a hard time managing how fucking badass is it. Well, th- this is <laughs> I'm selling hardcore here. This, this is an odd invention that's oddly specific to photo people. But um, go ahead and give yourself so, a bio, Nick, because you've never really been on the podcast. No, maybe I, overshadowed. I um, do it. Basically, uh, the shorthand is that I do photo, video, and design work, um, but mostly nowadays on the side of photo work. Um, and part of, of every photographer nowadays is is the process of culling. So, um, you know, you very commonly overshoot things, take way too many photos, put it on burst mode if you're anticipating a, a moment or whatever, and in the end you have to call through and pick out all the good ones. This is a pretty understandable thing. Um, but, you know, being at a computer for hours, hitting keys to sort through photos and, like, you know, rate them and things can take a toll on your hands. I mean, it's the same thing as, like, typing for hours, right? That's absolutely true, yeah. I have yeah. calluses on my wrists because of my computer. Yes? <laughs> absolutely. You, you mean, like... <laughs> well, Joe's the worst. Know, joking aside, like, carpal tunnel is a thing. Um, but in any case, like, even just the mild inconvenience of having Something to, like... Something can never change. Yeah. Well... <laughs> The, the mild inconvenience of slumping over a computer keyboard or laptop or whatever. I can imagine the lower back being like... Yeah, it's Rrr. kind of a pain in the butt. It's just annoying as fuck because you're using a keyboard and mouse to go through an ungodly number of photos. Right. And you have to pick through a shitload of them. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, there's a... God, it sounds like we're just pitching this like we've been sponsored. Um, yeah, I hope. Hey, the first one's on us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Next one. Uh, so, covering it. So I know some people who uh, invented, uh, I'll say with sort of air quotes... Uh, a tool to get around this, and it's basically a retrofitted PlayStation controller that plugs in via USB, and so instead of having to use a keyboard, <laughs> you program a, a PlayStation controller and then, like, sort through and assign ratings to them that way. So it's like... It's life-changing? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, we laugh at it. It looks kind of silly, but... I'm not laughing. I'm dead serious. I, I laugh at it. Um, it <laughs> He's looks, laughing now. <laughs> it looks silly, but it's like... It actually feels way better. <laughs> it makes it a lot more like. I just know, easy. love the fact that the people that invented it knew it was like a giant fucking joke. Mm-hmm. That they're like, "This works," but this is fucking ridiculous. We're, we really don't give a shit, right? And they just show up with this thing and it blows up. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's it, it had features and things like uh, uh, f stoppers and WPPI and, and things like that. So like, it actually did get a decent amount of, of recognition as being something like 
wow, photographers should use this. Um, but it, you know, it, wow. I guess I guess it goes to that sentiment of like you know, uh, above all, a good idea is most important, and having something that's useful and functional is what's most important. So, you know, it, it doesn't look any different than a PlayStation controller. Yeah, but but it serves a great purpose, and so that's why it's successful is because it it does exactly what it needs to do, and it's an it's a need. From an engineering standpoint, it's like why reinvent the wheel if something already exists? It's just changing the because a controller is this, yeah. it's just a different input than a keyboard. And Joe, so, uh, didn't like the military recently switch to like Xbox controllers for certain tasks or something? Wait, what? Yeah, for M16s. <laughs> 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 he said that was the most deadpan face. <laughs> Please don't fact check us. That's right. Every M16 has so an like, Xbox controller. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying for M16s, but for I'm pretty, anything. No, I, I, I swear to you, I heard a story where like they they turned like certain like submarine controllers or something into Xbox controllers because they were like, wow, this works way. Hey, let's better. use our cell phones. I can find out yeah. here. You know what I'm gonna do? <laughs> I'm gonna text JT. He was a sub. Wait, what he know? He's on a nuclear submarine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the U.S. military was like, "Why Actually, are we teaching people advanced controls when they all know how to use Xbox controllers?" And they did that. I can see that for like some of the drone tech, honestly, something like that. Here's what annoys the fuck out of me: hmm. is that if I, when I was in, <laughs> there are definitely situations where I was like, "This would work a lot better." I know it sounds stupid. But this would work a lot better. All right, so and I just, nobody gave a fuck. But now one asshole decides to use Xbox controllers for fucking submarines, which is now confirmed. <laughs> and it goes ver- across the whole Verge Navy. Article. Yeah, so this is a Verge article where basically U.S. Navy submarines uh, were fitted with Xbox 360 controllers to control periscopes. Um, oh, damn it! In the Virginia class submarines. <laughs> That's literally the difference between the the Marine Corps and the Navy, right there. Really? Is it if somebody brought that up in the Marine Corps, they'd be like, fuck no, that's stupid. All right, well, um, is it like a budgeting thing, too? Well, let me throw because out... Yeah, the Marine Corps are so broke. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me throw out this this uh, paragraph here, because I think this is answering something you just said, too. This innovation comes as the Navy's response to feedback given by junior officers and sailors who said that the controls for the periscope were clunky and, quote, real heavy. Um, in addition to being hard to manage, the hand grip and imaging control panel used previously also cost about $38,000 compared to the Xbox 360 controller's cost of around 20. That doesn't, the price doesn't surprise <laughs> yeah, me at all. That doesn't crazy. surprise me at all. Every single, here's what happens. So there's like, they have multiple companies yep. and they all bid, yep. like put up a bid, right? They're like, okay, so there's this problem or this tech that you guys need. Everybody brings up their thing. And they fucking upcharge like crazy, like unbelievable. Because it's government crazy. money. Oh yeah, and the government <laughs> just buys it. They just get a contract, and that's it. And it's like for the next six years, you're gonna get this piece of shit that is a hundred thousand dollars each. Right. Like that's we had tents that were like thirty thousand dollars. Tents. Jesus Christ. They they and they broke all the fucking time, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, there you go. Another great example of functional design. See, this is, listen, we just need to That's why you need competition, right? It's almost like the private sector is designed to make things better, and the public sector just throws money at everything. Yeah, and then there's no competition, so everyone just like, well, it works. I I also, there's some competition. It's just kind of all bullshit. Yeah. I also wonder, too, though, (laughs) I wonder if it has something to do with, like, um, you know, the the red tape uh, uh, with anything government like 
it, it might be that any sort of innovation like that has to go through so many people's approval that it just gets shot down. Well, that is for sure true. Yeah, that I, do, I do test for those companies. Yeah. It's really fucking expensive <laughs> to put, especially if it's like specifically combat kind of gear. Right. Like new flak jackets or better helmet. That shit, the number, they have things right now, like flak jackets right fucking now, that have like a spine to them and you can twist so it's not just a plate. Oh wow! Like so it's, you use them more to de- right. You can freedom. actually move around. It's called what's it? Dragon scales, shit yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, and, and, and they have multiple different ones that are being tested right now. And they they fucking work, but it won't be another like ten years before they're used. Right. Because they'll just go through every. The special forces available, right? Fucking yeah. The special forces is different. Right. They just ask for things and they just <laughs> get them. It just shows up, right? <laughs> well, seriously, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I was talking to uh, or I went to a special forces recruiting seminar thing when I was still in. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how they're like, yeah, so a new gun will come out and we'll be like, hey, we want that. And then we'll get it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's literally. Nice. That's hey, we like to use that. There was a dude Thanks. there. There was a, he was Polish special, special forces for years. And then he was like, this ain't hard enough. So he came to the U.S. and joined the Marine Corps so that he could do special forces in the Marine Corps. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's a, that's a special kind the of badass. A fucking, <laughs> yeah, he's a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joe, you're back from school. You're, what, it's like five weeks into classes now? Six weeks? Like a month. Okay, four weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah you started yeah, a little bit later than late. us. So, you're now in it, right? Yeah, we're in the, we're in the, the, uh, the thick of it. It's, uh, I got exam on Tuesday, another exam next Monday, and I have a Katakana quiz on Tuesday, too. Ooh. Explain that for people who don't aren't in the know. It's one of the alphabets for Japanese. There's three. There's That's crazy that there's three alphabets. <laughs> yeah. One of them is the Chinese alphabet, and I cannot remember the name of that one. I keep wanting to say kanji, but I don't think that's actually right. Um, then there's hiragana. That's the standard Japanese alphabet. And then there's katakana, which is a Japanese alphabet that they use for foreign words, onomatopoeia, Right, a handful of other things like because really the selection because the sounds are different. Are there right. certain it's sounds that are not like, made? How would you say it? What's the term? Like how to pronounce something? The phoneme phon- phonemes phonetics phonetics. There thank you. you. Go. The phonet- It's almost like a phonetic alphabet for them. Though, mm-hmm. so they'll just use it to sound out English words. Mm. Yeah. So all advertisings use that. Yeah, basically. for like anything like American companies, oh, yeah. stuff so like, like that. We looked at a Wolverine poster, like when the Wolverine movie or whatever came out in yeah. Japan, and it's you can read it. Like, wo- like if you know what the characters mean, it says Wolverine. It just sounds it. It That's just says really cool. it in a Japanese accent, which is kind of cool. <laughs> like it's not like my name isn't Joe, it's Joel, but it's close hmm. enough, right? It's, it's just like that's they. That's what you're gonna get. It's the, it's the accent, though. Like, right? It's like it's weird how like the accent comes through from the characters. It's, yeah, because there is no. There's not even a. The, there's a G sound. Uh huh. G. That's like yeah, like that's G the sound. Kundo. So there, right? So there isn't Joe. Or isn't J. There's just G. Oh, it's G E sound, but G, short it's G. like G I actually. Oh, G. Oh, G. right. That makes more sense. Yeah. And then um, they do it. You can alter some some letters using a small version, like a. Yeah, like a mini version of another letter. So instead of G, it would be G plus uh, O or Yo, actually. Mm. So G plus Yo equals Jo. And then you have to extend it out because oh. they just go Jo. Yeah, it would be too so short. Right, so that you have to have another letter in there that goes Jo. So mm. that you have my name. That's so crazy. <laughs> it it takes all that extra work to, to like 
create a three-letter word in English. <laughs> Dude, I read this shit so slow. It's so bad in class. Really? The, well, she'll, I'll get called on, and oh god damn it, the professor, <laughs> the professor doesn't like. Sometimes you'll raise your hand, but most of the time she just reads off the attendance list, and you just get called on. Yikes. You just have to. That's terrifying. Do, oh god, it sucks. <laughs> it especially sucks because. Every single time, I I shit you not. Every single time that I've been called on this whole semester, I've been like looking down, like writing notes or something. I just hear Tchaikovsky Tom. I go <laughs> freeze. I'm like oh fuck, I've misread. Like I've literally read the wrong page. <laughs> I was like, oh, and they're like, no, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, the GSI will come by and point at the right thing. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, why are you calling me? I'm writing notes. I'm not paying attention. I'm trying to do my own thing. You're like, I'm catching up. I'm not even like the same page as you right now. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck you're saying. You're speaking in Japanese the whole time. I come to this class, learn the language, not just hear you talk it. Jeez. Dang, it's crazy. But anyway, so I'll get called on and have to read like right. stuff. And I'll just be like bumbling through it the whole time. I'm like, Jesus. oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like halfway through. I'm not even sure what I'm saying anymore. Sometimes I'll, now I'll pick up on the word before I finish. So I'll be like, she, you, oh, Shushin. Okay, cool. I know what that is. <laughs> Shushin. Nice. You're good. It's like, it's cool to like see like the, the progression of the. It's neat to it's neat to learn the language like slow. I mean, we're moving fast as fuck. Right. So I I feel like I'm not learning anything at all, and then we'll have the test and I'll do get an A and I'll be like, oh, I learned something. <laughs> Look at that. I don't like know when somehow that, I'm absorbing something. Like, I didn't know when that happened, but <laughs> I think that's half of it. You know, it's like somehow you're just immersed so heavily in it that you're just making shrides. Yeah, they're not study a fuckload too. I bet. Like and it the class happens every day. So oh, like really? yeah, Tuesday, Thursday is the lecture and then um Monday, Wednesday, Friday there's discussions mm. and they're all hour long. So Yeah, it's a lot of exposure time. <laughs> yeah. So but, how's school were for you, Nick? Easy, time consuming. <laughs> a lot of just reflection. It's all it is. Oh uh, yeah, before this you were talking about uh that philosophy teacher yeah yeah so i'm in i'm in six classes right now Jeez, um, what god damn yeah that's how i gotta do it for this this and next semester but uh how many credits 16 so it's it's uh five three credit classes and one one credit class fuck that um and if i do that this semester next semester i'll graduate in three semesters not four so and save like what fourteen thousand dollars or something like that jesus something christ to that, effect. that sounds so worth it it's worth it to me um but yeah, I mean, I have to take, this should be my most difficult semester because it's taking, I'm doing a bunch of like, uh, you know, every school has like those weird requirements. So it's not just like English, but like, like DePaul does religious credits. Yeah. And we have a race and ethnicity course we yeah, have yeah. to take. So I, I have mm-hmm. global pluralism and, which is basically the same thing. Okay. Um, but then also, uh, uh, geez, I forget. Global pluralism, pluralism, writing intensive is the other one that I'm taking right now, um, which sparks a whole. I'm just going to go on this like si- small side tangent. Um, there is no clear definition apparently at the school what writing intensive means, uh, so they're getting rid of it next year. But <laughs> because like writing intensive could mean does that mean I write a lot or does that mean I am in, involved with lots of writing? Like do I read a lot? Is writing a uh, big part of it? So no one knows. What- Nobody really knows what to do with this right so like some professors take it one way some take it the other way whatever but in any, uh, in any there's case, no cohesion 
Yeah. In any case, um, one of the classes I'm taking, I think it's the writing intensive one, is power and freedom on screen. Um, and so it, it tackles this idea. It's taught by Robert Watkins, who's um, a political science and uh, philosophy guy, uh, has a book about all about this, um, specifically through the lens of particular books, but mainly, it seems, uh, Into the Wild. Are you familiar with the story at all? Uh, you'd have to remind me. All right, so I'll, I'll give you the quick rundown Spark of it. notes it. Into the Wild is based off of a real story um, who of a kid whose name I can't remember, but basically uh, he finishes school and he tells his parents that he's going to go to um, get his you know further education after after uh, his bachelor's or whatever. Um, and so they give him like twenty four thousand dollars to to put towards that education, or like that was his college fund. So he takes it, donates it to UNICEF, burns his social security card, burns all his money. Uh, takes his car and drives west to go to Alaska. And so his whole goal was like, screw all of this stuff. I'm going to go be free in Alaska where no one's around and I'm going to have complete freedom. Um, huh. And we'll, we're going to get into this for a second, too, because I think it's an interesting topic and I think you'll particularly take I kinda it. I kind of dig that. Well, the idea of it? Yeah, the idea of it. So I don't I, fucking actually do it. You're right, crazy. Well, Alaska's and, and made I think, of bears everywhere. And I think most of, of America seems to have that sort of infatuation, right? And that's we talk about that, too. The fact that most of America adheres to this idea of classical liberalism, which is to say, um, you know, you're an individual, you make your own choices, uh, people function best when they have the least amount of, like, power against them and so yeah. it has this sort of inverse relationship between power and freedom which is like where there is power there is not freedom huh. where there is freedom there is not power um that's the the way that these classical liberal viewpoints take this that's kind of interesting because that's not what i would expect in art school to do when they have to do power and freedom in a course right and well and the thing about art school is like you think it's really like hippy dippy uh, hippy dippy it's really not i mean the people it tends to attract kind of are like that so there's people that wear tutus to class there are some weirdos like that but <laughs> but, but i mean like there's also like you know fashion designy people so like they're gonna wear wear weird stuff anyway right. it's an art school it's you art school. expect art people to be very open to new experimental crazy, and, yeah yeah and that's just how it is um i'm getting kind of used to it not that i'm turning into that but whatever <laughs> like do you boo boo um, <laughs> you you do wear your, your substitute teacher sweaters I like my sweater. That's a nice sweater. Thank you. You fuck off, Eric. <laughs> He's also wearing slippers too. That's right. Uh, anyway, so back back to the topic at hand. So so let me. I, I'm gonna tell you. Do you mind if I just spoil into the wild? Yeah. Spoiler go for alert it. for everybody listening. This is the actual story. This by the movie's way. been out for fucking. The movie's ever. been out yeah, for a very say, long time. It's not like it's and, and I'll yesterday. say the movie really idealizes this kid. He they they really make him seem like the hero, right? But the actual story goes, and and the story of the movie also goes like this, though in a you know in a mindset that glorifies him. Um, he he makes his way west, and he did all these things to like make it seem like he was you know still doing his thing. So it, it took a long time for his parents to discover he was missing, and everyone like he had changed his name when he was on the road and stuff. Um, he eventually does make it to Alaska and lives out of a bus, uh, like a bus that was just abandoned somewhere in the wilderness, um, until uh, he died. He just straight up died. And uh, eventually, like, an Alaskan hiker found his body and his journal and stuff, and that's how this whole story got sparked. And then a guy wrote a book all about um, tracking down, like, where his steps were and meeting the people he ran into and sort of, like, 
finding out what actually happened. Right, solving the mystery. Solving the mystery and stuff to the extent they could. And there's a whole thing about, like, how he died. Some think he was, he ate something poisonous, but then later on they tested it and found that the thing was, in fact, uh, edible, but only if you were in good health. If you were, like, going through starvation, then it would poison you because your body would process it differently. All kinds of weird things. But let's get at the topic of freedom with this. And, And that's to say, when he was, like, roaming the country with no money and then he would, like, pick up a weird job, get some money and continue to do his thing and meet these people to a degree he was free right like right he was operating within sort of culture and you know what you're allowed to do in the within the law but he could do whatever he wanted at any point and he did to for the most part you know he did what he wanted to do right um when he was in alaska and surviving off the land i would argue that he was the least free he ever was because at that point, and it's detailed in his journal too, he's literally in like humanistic survival mode of I need to kill enough things to eat for the next days, I need to find food, I need to not freeze. Right, he's gone paleolithic. Right. And and this brings up, I think, an interesting and I've brought this up a couple times within our discussions, but like um humans by like nature, as animals, we've always been historically social. And the only reason that we continue to be humans and dominant today is because we banded together using our intelligence and and survived together. Yeah, went from individual to family to tribe to mm-hmm. communities, community to nation. Right. Yeah. As an individual creature, humans fucking suck. <laughs> like we, we have no sharp teeth. We, no claws. We have which, have, first off, is bullshit. <laughs> we we really I wish. <laughs> naturally we shouldn't be anywhere that's cold because like we need to wear stuff to not die. So we should, it's almost like we should be on the African savanna. Right. It's almost newsflash. <laughs> right. So like as a creature, we're pretty terrible. It's the fact that we like cooperate and then like created civilization. That's why we're. So advanced, for lack of a better word. Um, so when this kid decided to go out into the wild and be an individual human on his own in the Alaskan freezing wilderness... Might have been dumb. That's, that's pretty Just a stupid. Bit. <laughs> like, the body is literally not built for that. Um, like you're you're going to die. Like and, this was determined to be... The moment you decide to leave... Right. And, and to nitpick even more so, like, he depended on a gun to hunt things. Which was made by modern humans. Yeah, well, I mean, what... Uh, to, how would I say this? It's not like... I'm not sure if he was trying to escape all things human, exactly. Right. Was he trying... I mean, he wants freedom, but I'm not sure if he wants a lack of humanity. Oh, of course, it could be that he wants a lack of humanity under the guise of wanting freedom. Right. And and who knows? He's he didn't make it to tell his story, so he died. <laughs> um, so so you really don't know. But to say that he was going for freedom, I think is is uh, a, a, was not thought out. <laughs> I'm with I'm actually with you on this because we I had a bit of a conversation with this in my most recent philosophy class about freedom, mm-hmm. and I'm not really sure that freedom exists as a singular state as a mm-hmm. thing that's achievable it, there are degrees of freedom but not absolute freedom right and that you can't actually have freedom without 
it being within a certain number of limitations. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just inherent in experience, right? You can't actually experience anything. You can't perceive anything, mm-hmm. like technically. Like I'm, I'm going to go straight up cognitive cognitive psych with you. You can't perceive anything without cutting out an unbelievable amount of information. Right. You are within boundaries in your perception intentionally mm-hmm. so that you can experience anything at all. We have more. So let me think. So. Primates have more inhibitory neurons than any other mammal, and humans have more inhibitory neurons than any other primate. What? It's like 75% of our brain is designed to just turn off other parts of our brain. Hmm. Weird. And it's all to focus in the amount of information that's overflowing. Yep. So this this is part of why I don't like these whole... um, You hear people talking about like problems with objective truth, where they're like... Oh, well, you can't see the objective world, so how do you know what's true? Mm. Which really ends up being, they kind of push it to a relativist argument that, right. like, therefore, everyone's individual experience is equally true or equally valid. Because none of them are. Right. Yeah. Or none of them are. It, right. it literally right. yeah. it could be either it's like, or. It just yeah. doesn't fucking matter right. at that point. Um, but the problem with that is <clears throat> that they're ignoring the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, that your experience requires that thing and that it's not that you're necessarily not seeing the objective truth it's that you're focusing in on an element of it mm. and that there are, there's this weird and they ignored evolution completely right. but right. that's another tangent yeah so it sounds like you agree with my professor uh robert watkins and and what he says which is to to say and this is um linked to another philosopher whose name i can't remember it right now Um, because we've just started talking about him. But that is to say that where freedom is, power also exists. So when you're more free, you have power. Or, you know, there's a degree of power. Which I think makes sense. A lot more than having it the other way. Where where there is or isn't. Um, I I would imagine it's kind of a... There's gradations of both, right? Yeah, yeah. And that one isn't inherently linked to the other. I don't think it's a one-for-one correlation. Right. That you can be free and powerless, and you can be free and powerful. It depends on your situation, the person that you are. Mm -hmm. Because if you are free, if freedom is being away from people like it is in this story, then let's say he did that, or any person does that, in order to escape the things that are that bother them about people mm-hmm. like they they are resentful for people or they've been hurt and mm-hmm. they want to let me th- they want to escape that pain let me jump that in they're being controlled by that pain yeah so they, they actually have less freedom because they're allowing that thing to control to dictate their actions right so let me jump in and tell you some more information about the guy who this happened to and his story um he was a in in a family that was really rocky um he found out that he was like born out of uh, an affair between his parents so his mom was married to someone else and they didn't intend to have him as a child and they were very, his dad was like really aggressive and huh. and so he and his sister had like childhood trauma or at least this is what her sister his sister speaks out about um, so I definitely think in his regard there's definitely like a psychological right, so issue going on here to, to my point then is, yeah. is that you could say that he escapes humanity because what he learned from his parents about humanity is that they're controlling, they're aggressive, they're abusive, they're tragic, whatever it is, and that he allowed that feeling, that trauma from his childhood to dictate 
his behavior. Mm -hmm. So in trying to be free, he in fact is enslaved to the traumas of his past. Yeah. And that's probably the most accurate way to describe him. But all of this going back now into the wild is, is uh, a book that's read in classrooms and a movie that's been like, uh, celebrated. There's a whole like cult following of people all over the world who go to Alaska to try to go to this bus, and like subsequently, many of them have died trying. Um, oh, jeez! And so like it's this weird thing of like misguided, glorified freedom that uh, is it's strange. It like attracts people to it. It's half. You know what it is. One of it. It's partly archetypal, mm-hmm. right? It's this idea of the the bringer of culture to the the unknown, to the novel, to mm-hmm. the wilderness, right? This right. is this is the manifest destiny idea. Yep. It's the the bringing out that we come into this unknown world that we explore, that we have this Lewis and Clark adventure into mm-hmm. this new world. But it's only half the story, right? It's only the other half of the story is that isn't just the the unique individual going out into nature and being a part of it or or living in it but it's also that nature is brutal mm-hmm. that right. there isn't just a good beautiful side to nature that's to be lived in but there's also a dangerous and um how would you say it's almost uncaring brutality that exists it's, in nature. it's literal natural selection at that yeah, point well, yeah. it's 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 taking like all civilization out of the factor and just to say you know you are an animal among animals in nature finding your place in that good luck yeah (laughs) and the only ones that survive are the ones that have functional behaviors yep and turns out uh after however many thousands of years we're not very good at fending off animals anymore or well yeah that's probably true (laughs) it actually depends on what you mean by funding fending off animals because you don't see bears in downtown chicago well that's true (laughs) i would say though if we make it like the the playing field even like if if we draw one dude versus one bear (laughs) the bear fucking wins (laughs) every time right every fucking time i would even argue to say if we dropped like a hundred people into remote alaskan wilderness they're all fucked they're they're a pretty sizable aren't gonna make it if not all. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> we definitely have had a long history of throwing a lot of people at a new idea and just watching them all die until they, one of them sticks. I mean, the American right. colonies are a great example of that. That is exactly yeah. what that is. <laughs> Jamestown was rebuilt like four times. <laughs> well, they didn't survive this time. Maybe we could yep. do it again. Fuck it. Send more. Yep. So there you go. That's, uh, that's freedom or lack thereof. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I like the idea of... of experience being within a framework and that that framework provides freedom from the elements from uh, animals from danger from Mm -hmm. whatever but there's a cost right there's a cost and there's a reward at the same time well and i think like uh what i took from the story too is that maybe we don't give enough credit to civilization like so many people are like, oh, I hate people, or uh, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I wish I could just go live in the forest in a cabin or something. And <laughs> like, like from an aesthetic point of view, I think that's gorgeous. But um, it's like the Call of Walden, like <laughs> you know the book. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lot of stuff like that. But um, you know, like nature is always romanticized and stuff. And I'm not saying I dislike nature. I, I'm very much so in a, like an environmentalist and stuff. But uh, you know, I think there's also credit to be given to the fact that cities exist and like institutions exist and that I have running water and right. that I'm not gonna I'm well not, if I got syphilis all I would need is one shot and I'd be good yeah and that that running water wasn't like 
like that that's been made public to you like there's been many people who well, are like, pipe fitters and engineers who made that water run it's and guaranteed they gave that to, to have you. it basically yeah like you, you don't have to like fight for your water <laughs> like if my internet went out while i was playing sea of these i'd be pissed <laughs> all right you see how fucking stupid that is that's ridiculous yeah that's fucking dumb you know, stupid sense of security <laughs> thousands of people go into just making sure that See if these exists. Xbox exists. The electricity keeps running. Yeah. That the internet works. That How I'm many layers into that requires? System. Yeah. Yep. To get Un- to that point. Unfucking believably massive <sighs> and constantly changing dynamic system I mean, you, that enables me to do what I fucking want. I mean, if you and think about it, about it, people people get angry when their their web page takes a couple seconds longer to load than on yep. average, right? Yep. Yep. And there's probably a psychological thing to that, where it's like as technology it's improves, all baselines. You right, ju- yeah, just yeah. have a baseline. It's like built-in baselines, right? Where you assume you're like, oh, this. I expect it to be like this. So as soon as it doesn't behave to your your predetermined norms, yeah. you're like, God damn it! And it's oh. a limiting information thing again. Right. It's yeah. the same thing. It's like if it's working, I don't actually have to worry about it. Like, why worry about it if it's working, right? Because right. there's other things to fucking worry well, plus about. Plus a negativity bias that we all have too, right? So if, when things go sideways in some way, you would remember it a lot better. And, yeah. Yeah. So that like that minor irritant, especially like, like when people talk about like driving in traffic, right? We've probably brought this up more than once, but like where you live in a place where traffic is just insane, hmm. you you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it'd probably be worse if you lived in traffic where or lived in a place where traffic wasn't insane, and then was visiting a place like L.A. Right? Yeah, where it is the, the culture shock, right, mm-hmm. of that where your baseline is not bad traffic; it's yeah. normal, and now you're fucked. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to Into the Wild one more time because this is an actual quote out of a book that he was reading uh, and he, that he wrote this quote in it um, at some point uh, before his death. Um, I've been talking this whole game about how he went there. His and, whole and game? This this whole game of like him going to the wild, trying to be oh. free, whatever. Um, one of the last things he wrote before he, he passed away, they presume, is was a quote in one of the books he was reading and he wrote, happiness is only real when it's shared. Um... Uh, what a tragic irony. Right, which... Yeah, that is weird. Which he realizes, you know, shortly before he dies of his whole thing. But, and I, I think that's a pretty good way to explain the lesson learned from his story, right? Like, humans aren't meant to do it alone. We're social creatures. Right. To and, harken back to what we talked about. Right, and it's it's the kind of thing, like, you know, the same with all these other things, like technology and, and, and water and, and all that stuff, like, you know... It's it's to the benefit of of all human humanity, right? To some degree, um, so it's an interesting lesson to have learned from that sort of thing. Yeah, it's cool, and I th- it's a good point too. Like I think small communities were nice, but being by yourself is not. I mean, solitary confinement is right. I mean, you can talk about that. that I think they're trying to get that removed. It probably yeah. prisons. Yeah, it's kind of probably should. It's it cruel and unusual. Well, yeah. did, did you listen to that Nick Yars podcast on Joe Rogan? No, I didn't. It's fascinating because I got another four-hour drive tomorrow. Might as well. He well he so he went to jail for something he didn't do. He got convicted of murder for uh, rape and murder of a woman at the age of twenty-one, and then went proceeded to basically continue to make bad decisions while incarcerated and was put on death row but he still the, the entire journey started for something he didn't commit right and so basically when he tells his story he got put into prison systems that like the worst of the goddamn worst and like places he couldn't talk or the guards would beat the hell out of you like you were mm. silent 
or he got put in like gladiatorial battles because the guards would get bored and they would be like you gotta fight or we beat you up that's it they would just pick people at random and then like he would get put in solitary and then like put into places where like the real Hannibal Lecter was there <laughs> like he was a cellmate like with a dude that ate people yeah well, fuck. Like, then hmm. he tells this whole story, and like he came out of it, you know. But like, if how you they th- figure out that he was DNA? Of course. But it took forever to get it to prove that like he would like nine years to make it work, and then the results became back inconclusive, and then another seven years went by, and then they finally got cleared. But like this story, when you hear of the trauma, right? This guy, entire guy's life. If it would have just, you know, it, it's like he lived a life that he shouldn't have lived, right? Right. He got robbed. <laughs> he got robbed of something. And now, you know, when he talks about it, he he talks about how his life, you know, he's like, I'm just going to see the light. He's like, when I was in those bad situations, like, I'm just going to read and I'm going to, you know, be better than what you're trying to put me through. Right. And it takes a real special person to be able to take the kind of trauma that that is and turn it into something positive. Because he's like, I'm going to be able to, like, his his one goal was be able to articulate himself after his last words, like, when he was going to be put on death row. Or, uh, finally right, be able to say something. Yeah, articulate and, himself right. pro- properly. And that's what his goal was, you know? And that's a crazy thing to commit yourself to, right? <laughs> Especially for something you didn't commit. You're like, well, this is my only option. <laughs> right. So that he would, um, he would say... His last words as clear as clearly as he could when he's been silenced and robbed of his life beforehand. Yeah. There's also so a, it's like his last call is on his way out. Yeah, and there's a documentary on, on Netflix. I think the Fear of Thirteen. It's partial, partially what they talk about in in the podcast on Joe Rogan. But it's really interesting to hear stories like that because it's it really shows that I think the depth that a human being can be put into, like the traversing into darkness so to speak and still coming out right you know it's like a crucible so to speak in in some ways and i think it's similar to you know the with what we've been talking about before with freedom and stuff like that cool yeah it's a good one i'd watch it or listen yeah you probably like it 42 okay yeah yeah i'm tired dude i can tell yeah, I'm fucking just. You know, I think it's because it's cold. It's just mm. Oh yeah, I can. I can imagine. Well, that was a solid podcast. Yeah, yeah. I got Nick to talk. That's the whole to talk. Goal. For well, me, at least, secret goal. Works for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little under the weather, so it uh, it's draining me a little bit. But fair enough. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Till next time, everybody. Bye. Yay. Oh, that's a mark. That's not what I wanted. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode. 